This podcast is proudly brought to you by Soul Street Coffee. Start your day with a smile. You can visit them at www.soulstreetcoffee.com. And Anchor, the premier podcast hosting platform. Are you interested in launching your own podcast? Please visit them at anchor.fm. Welcome into the opening weekend of the Southeastern Conference football season. Hi everyone, I am Summer, and I want to thank you for joining us. I am pleased to be joining my guys, Billy and Kenneth all season long covering the best conference in college football, and they will be joining me in just a moment. Kenneth has said all week long in our production meetings that for him it is all about the coaches and quarterbacks in each game. So, does your team have a coach and a quarterback combination that you can trust? And what is your team's identity on both sides of the ball? These are a few questions that Kenneth is going to examine in each game. First, here is the expected weather forecast for each game. The expected weather forecast is brought to you by our Crunch Time Sports Advantage weather app. And now Billy will give you where the lines and totals open for each game, and at the end of the podcast, we will give a last look to see where they are before kickoff. The Gators opened as a 12-point road favorite over Ole Miss with a game total of 60. The Auburn Tigers opened as an 8-point favorite at home over Kentucky with a game total of 54. LSU opened as an 18.5-point favorite over Mississippi State with a game total of 54. The Georgia Bulldogs opened as a 24.5-point favorite on the road over Arkansas with a game total of 54. Alabama opened as a 26.5-road favorite over the Missouri Tigers with a game total of 54. The Vols opened as a road favorite over South Carolina by three points with a game total of 50. And finally, the Texas A&M Aggies opened as a 29.5-point favorite at home over the Vanderbilt Commodores. Thank you, Billy. And after this commercial break, I will be joined by Kenneth for his analysis for each game. In the next segment, we will go through the first four games on Saturday starting with the Florida Gators at Ole Miss, the Kentucky Wildcats at Auburn, the Mississippi State Bulldogs at LSU, and the Georgia Bulldogs at Arkansas. Want to gain an advantage this fall in the NFL, the English Premier League, and the SEC? Then head over to our website and sign up for one or all of our packages. Each one will give you access to our advanced stats, key matchup breakdowns each week, and a dedicated Slack channel where you can ask your questions and get a quicker response. Also, we will have a weekly Zoom meeting call. Not able to make the Zoom call? We will send you a copy. The National Football League and Premier League are just getting underway and the SEC starts on September 26. Because we are the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network and we are here to give you your sports advantage. So, sign up today. Welcome back everyone and I am pleased to be joined by Kenneth. So, Kenneth, take the listeners inside the meeting room and how you would formulate the game plan for each team. The first game of the day is the Florida Gators at the Ole Miss Rebels. And a special hello to our good friend Ole Miss Evie. You can follow Evie on Twitter at Ole Miss Evie and her fantastic site at the Rebel Walk. Also, hello to our dear friends Ms. Donna and Ms. Kathy, who are listening and want to hear your analysis. Kenneth, tell the listeners about the head coaches and what you call their coaching DNA and their quarterbacks for this game. Because as you have said all week, these first two games are all about which coaches and quarterbacks you trust. For Florida, while they do have co-offensive coordinators in Billy Gonzalez and John Hevesy, head coach Dan Mullen is the play caller. The defensive coordinator is Todd Grantham. And for Ole Miss, the OC is Jeff Lebby and DJ Durkin, and Chris Partridge will run the defense for head coach Lane Kiffin. Thanks, Summer. Let's start with the defensive side of the ball first, and that is defensive coordinator Todd Grantham. Todd's scheme is all about creating pressure. 
if he has what he believes to be an elite corner, which uh, Elam, who plays primarily on the right side of the defense, um, is, then Todd is going to try to take away your number one wide receiver, and he is looking to create pressure. Let me say this so everybody who's getting ready to watch this Florida Ole Miss game. Todd is going to bring heat on whoever the Ole Miss quarterback is, whether it's Plumlee or whether it's um, Matt. You're going to see zone blitzes. You're going to see cat blitzes. You're going to see um, overload blitzes. If there is a blitz package that is in Todd's arsenal, he is going to look to bring it, and not just on third downs, Todd will blitz on first down. He will blitz on second down. He will blitz on any area of the field. So whoever is under center for the Ole Miss um, offense, they need to, before snapping the ball, they need to count how many guys are in the block in the box. And then two, look at Elam. Because he's going to be your signal. Because usually the Mike linebacker um, is who who you identify. In Todd's system, I want to identify Elam. If he's up uh, in a press uh, position, more times than not, I'm looking to expect somewhere the blitz is coming. So it's going to be real important for Lane to help either one of those two young quarterbacks to identify um, Elam's feet position, and is he giving away whether it's a blitz or if it's just coverage? Flipping over to the offensive side, and uh, some a great point about Dan being the um, play caller for for the Gators. I've seen uh, Coach Mullen in this conference for the past 14 years, where he spent four years as the um, offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for Florida. Uh, nine years uh, at Mississippi State and had a really good run over at Mississippi State going 69 and 46 overall. And in the past two seasons where he's racked up 21 wins and five losses, all five of those losses coming in conference. Dan is a very conservative play caller. He loves to have the run game set up the pass. And this is very key in this matchup. Florida does not have a very good running game um, based on their numbers from last year. And he loves to gamble and go for it on fourth down. Now, I want to jump in and talk about Kyle Trask and how all the Florida fans are talking about how um, great of a season that this young man had last year. Kyle had a very good season. He didn't have a great season. And let's take a, uh, take a look at his total stats in the five games against better defenses that he faced last year. And that would be September 21st against Tennessee, October 5th against Auburn, October 12th against LSU, October 19th against South Carolina, and the cocktail bowl against Georgia. In those five games, here is Kyle Trask's numbers. 115 completions on 183 attempts. That's 60, 
let's round it up to 63% completion passing. In Dan's system, you're going to complete a lot of passes. He threw for 14 touchdowns and had four interceptions in those games. His yards per passing um, in those five games was about 270 yards um, passing per game. His lowest performance came against South Carolina, where he went 22 for 33 for 200 yards. Did throw for four touchdowns in that matchup. Did have just one interception. Now, this is important to remember. Kyle Trask does not fit the mold of the quarterback that Dan Mullen has had success with. Go back and look at um, his time at Florida. He had Tim Tebow and at Mississippi State when they were really successful, he had Dak Prescott. Now, these are two different type of dual threat running backs. And what do I mean by that? You can basically put four wide receivers and a tight end on the field and the defense has to sub and go to their dime or six defensive back package. Well, when you have a physical running back like a Tebow and like a Prescott, you can still run your power run game, and you're going to be running that against a much lighter box because you take out those two linebackers and you replace them with defensive backs to match up um, with those wide receivers. Kyle Trask is not a physical uh, runner in the run game. So that eliminates part of what Dan wants to do as a play caller. If I am Ole Miss in this game, I force the Florida Gators to run the ball like they were an option team. 40 carries, 350 yards, if they beat me with that and four touchdowns on the ground, good night and God bless. I am not letting Kyle Trask rip up my defensive secondary by throwing the ball all over the field. I'm going to play my base four defensive line, and I'm going to drop seven in coverage. I am going to close those passing windows. Matter of fact, I would probably look, um, if I'm DJ Durkin and uh, Chris, to play – nickel most of the game and bring in instead of an extra corner I bring in an extra safety just to have some more speed on the field so I can uh, play as much coverage as I possibly possibly can close down those passing windows and force that Florida Gators offense that ranked 13th out of 14 teams only Vandy was worse running the ball last year in the SEC than the Florida Gators. And with them not having a dominant running back coming back, um, whether it's Pierce, whether it's Davis, I'm not respecting those two guys um, as SEC caliber running backs until they prove it. But I am not letting Kyle Trask throw the ball for 300 350 yards, I'm going to double pits and I'm going to force him to have to go elsewhere, but I'm not giving him any wide open passing lanes. Now take everyone into how you see this matchup from the Ole Miss offensive side. Absolutely. And I know for Rebel fans, um, 
the big question has been uh, who's going to be the starting quarterback, whether it's Matt Corral or John Rice Plumley. Rebel fans, let me take you back to when Lane Kiffin was the OC at Alabama in 2014. Jake Coker was scheduled to be the starting quarterback for um, Alabama um, and converted uh, running back Blake Sims uh, was supposed to be his backup. Blake Sims beat out uh, Jake Coker, and even though uh, Jake took some of the first snaps underneath the uh, center for the tie that year, Blake Sims played um, pretty much the rest of the season as the unquestionable starter um, for the Crimson Tide that year. Who takes the first snap under center is probably the most irrelevant point in this entire matchup. Both quarterbacks are going to see the field. That I will I will pretty much almost guarantee at this point. Coach Kiffin sees a lot of John Rice, um, similar to what he had with Blake Sims, a true dual threat running quarterback who can beat you with both his feet and with a better passing attack and scheme could beat you through the air. I expect in this matchup to see a couple of things, and I want you as Ole Miss fans to um, kind of watch this with a new set of eyes that hopefully this this podcast and future podcasts will, will help break down is I expect to see some packages where Matt, John Rice, and Ely are all on the field at the same time. And here's kind of understanding your head coach the way that I do. Matt may line up under center, motion out like a wide receiver. John Rice steps um, into the shotgun position where, where Matt vacates. And him and Ely now have a kind of like a zone read option game to where he can fake it to Ely and keep the ball and run with it like we saw him do plenty of times last season. Or he can hand it off to, I think, a top three running back in this conference in um, Jerrion Ely. Also, I fully expect to see a lot of snaps and credit Evie for for bringing this young man to my attention. Um, Henry Parrish, along with Snoop Connor. Lane Kiffin's offense is all about a power run game. People think um, Lane and throwing it all over the all over the field, um, kind of like a Gus Malzahn's offense. That could not be further from the truth. Lane is a power run game um, attack, uh, being around two head coaches that kind of helped shape that was his father and legendary defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Bucks in the NFL, Monty Kiffin, and Pete Carroll when he was at USC as the um, offensive um, coordinator under Pete when USC was the most dominant program um, in football at that time. I expect Lane to run right at this Florida Gator um, defensive front. I know that they are talented up front, especially with 
them getting uh, Zachary Carter, who played a lot of defensive end last year for the Gators. He's going to bump inside to play tackle along with um, Slayton to really firm up that uh, defensive um, interior over the two guards in, in center. So I'm if I'm laying, I'm looking to absolutely wear those guys out by getting up to the line quickly but not calling the play, forcing them to not be able to make um, those defensive rotations uh, substitutes on the defensive line. Ely, I fully, I'm sorry, Elam, I fully expect him to be lined up most of the day on your wide receiver, uh, Elijah Moore. This is going to play into your your hands with Lane being um, your coordinator. I expect Dontario Drummond to see a lot of one-on-one matchups on the outside opposite of Elam versus Moore. Lane is going to take shots. Um, and especially when he's around, um, his 40 to the opponent's 40, look for Lane to throw those deep, um, what I call home run shots, um, at any point, um, on the field, especially if you guys just get a first down Lane is looking to hit that home run shot. So Ole Miss fans, um, be excited for what you're going to see on your offense if you can minimize those dumb penalties and if you can minimize um, Florida not hitting you over over the top with some one and two uh, play drive scoring touchdowns, you got a shot to be into this game in the fourth quarter. And if you give Lane a chance to be in the game um, in the fourth quarter, either whether you're tied or just down by one score, you could pull off a, a really nice upset um, in Vaughn Hemingway Stadium to kick off week one. Our next game is the Kentucky Wildcats visiting the Auburn Tigers. Kenneth, what about the head coaches and their quarterbacks for this game? For the Wildcats, defensive coordinator is Brad White and Eddie Grant is the play caller under head coach Mark Stoops starting his eighth season in Lexington. And for Auburn, the defense is ran by Kevin Steele. Newly hired Chad Morris is the OC under head coach Gus Malzahn, who is starting his eighth season at Auburn. Thanks, Summer. And let's start with the um, Kentucky Wildcats. Mark Stoops, who I fully expected would be the next uh, head coach of the Florida State Seminoles, um, did not get the job and remains in Lexington. That's a huge win for the Wildcats there. And we're going to start on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Eddie Grand. You know what? Before we do that, let me um, point out some things that you're going to hear on nationally syndicated shows um, talking about this game. And I want you to throw out two talking points that you're probably going to hear about. The Kentucky Wildcat offense from last season and the Auburn defensive rush stats from last season. And here's why. Terry Wilson um, went out in the second game against Eastern Michigan with a torn patella tendon in his right knee. So the Wildcats had to completely change and scrap their offense. So we didn't get a chance to see what that Kentucky Wildcat offense was going to look like last season. Lynn Bowden basically had to run the Wildcat 
Um, so their rush numbers are going to be completely skewed along with their, their pass or lack thereof from last season. So if you hear any commentator talking about how bad Kentucky was as a passing team last year, just completely understand that they have no idea of what they're really talking about. Now, let's flip it over to the Auburn uh, defense. And gone off of that defensive line is Marlon Davison and probably the best defensive tackle we've seen since Aaron Donald in Derrick Brown. So if anybody's still talking and previewing this game, talking about how great the Auburn run defense was against um, all of their opponents last year. Come on, once again, let's let's think this through. You don't have um, that dominant defensive tackle in the middle. Are you really going to be that same rush defense? I fully expect not. Okay, now let's get into the, um, the coaching breakdown and then the matchup. Under Mark Stoops, he wants to have a power run game offense. And Eddie Grand, I think this is a tremendous opportunity for you to run right at that Auburn defense. And you got a young man who I think should be a household name in the SEC and probably one of the most underrated um, running backs that are coming back uh, this season, and that's A.J. Rose. I think this young man has the ability to break some runs against this Auburn uh, defense and make some plays in the in the screen game as well because he is a, a good enough receiver coming out of the backfield. Um, like I said, limited attempts, but what um, I like from last season was his average. Um with a non-throwing quarterback, he was still able to average 6.1 yards per reception. Now, I think that that number uh, should definitely go up with the threat of a down-the-field passing game in Josh um, Ali, that that game um, out of the backfield, his number should be 9, 10, 12 yards per attempt. And if so... I think that gives Kentucky a really good chance to um, hang in with the Auburn Tigers and possibly even upset them um, later on today. On the defensive side, Brad White, who is starting his second year with, with Kentucky after spending six years with the Indianapolis Colts as their um, linebacker coach. The matchup is going to come down to your three starting linebackers, in my opinion, because this Auburn run game is not one that I'm going to uh, feel threatened by because they don't have a Cadillac Williams or Ronnie Brown or some of those uh, running backs that we've seen have uh, success there on the plains. Boogie Watson, Chris Oates, DeAndre Square, those are the starting linebackers for the Kentucky Wildcats. And while most people are going to think that Brandon Echols needs to match up with Seth Williams, I would absolutely not go with that matchup. 
Um, Seth Williams is six foot three. Eccles is five nine. It's it's jump ball football for the Auburn Tigers when they start looking at taking deep shots. If you see Eccles on Williams, look for Gus to throw the ball up top and try to hit a height mismatch in this matchup. I would turn to cornerback Kevin Joseph, who is about six foot one, about 200 pounds to match up with, um, with Williams for Auburn. You can't give away that kind of, that kind of matchup. And if he needs some safety help over the top, uh, Corker at free safety is more than capable enough to uh, provide that help over the top. So I would basically look to take away that matchup and force Auburn to do some different things. For the Auburn Tigers, Kevin Steele is one of the most respected defensive coordinators in the SEC. So he's going to try to game plan to stop your running game. So expect to see without Brown, without Davison, um, I expect to see Auburn have to blitz a little bit more often because you just can't get there with your with your three um, defensive linemen. You're going to have to bring um, a couple of those linebackers and maybe even the safety at time on some different blitzes. Roger McQuarrie, um, they're the Auburn fantastic um, corner for, for the Tigers. Um, I expect to see him matched up with Ali um, for most of the game on Saturday. Looking over um, on the offensive side of the ball, Chad Morris is the offensive coordinator in name only. This is Gus' offense. Gus runs a spread option offense. It's not very complicated, and he wants to see about 80 plays a game. Here's uh, something that I talked about in the uh, preview podcast. Um, but I'm going to review it really quickly here on this matchup. If Auburn gets a first down on the near side, um, which is the hash mark nearest to their sideline, expect Gus to go tempo, tempo, tempo. You'll see him winding his arms really, really quickly trying to uh, get the next play call. This is done for two reasons. It keeps you from substituting uh, because your defense has to come from further to get onto the field and you'll either get a 12-man on the field penalty or you're going to get hit with a big play. Second reason is he wants you to be so discombobulated as a defense that you don't know what to call it. You're looking over to the sideline and you're trying to get the play call from your defensive coordinator. This is where Brad White has really got to earn his money. Every defense that I've been around for the past 20 years has what they call a, a base defensive call. Um, when you see Gus go to that, that tempo tempo, what your, your middle linebacker or your Mike backer, uh, in this case, uh, Chris Oates, should be calling, he should be yelling out base, base, base. And what that usually is, is your corners are playing man off, so you're not in a press, and your safeties are too high away from the line of scrimmage. So 
you got your corners off, playing off man, your safeties are back, avoiding big shots, and your linebackers are just playing a underneath zone. So they're not worried about the eye candy that Gus likes to run with uh, Swartz and the rest of the wide receivers running that jet motion, uh, really trying to disturb your 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 fundamentals as a defense. You're playing just base, and you're not worried about looking over to the sideline trying to get the call. You're just yelling base, base, and you're just playing a very simplistic Auburn offense. It's not the scheme. It's about getting you to to manipulate your eyes and not really focusing in on the Auburn uh, Auburn offense. Talking to um, Billy and um, some of our guys out in the desert, if there is to be an upset on Saturday, this could be the, the matchup. I think that Kentucky can run on Auburn, and if they're not giving up the eye candy and the deep shots um, to Seth Williams over the top, I think Kentucky can pull the upset in this matchup. Our next game is the Mississippi State Bulldogs visiting the LSU Tigers. Kenneth, what about the head coaches and their quarterbacks for this game? For the visiting Bulldogs, Mike Leach leaves Washington State after eight years, and his defensive coordinator is Zach Arnett. Coach Leach will serve as his own play caller in his famous quote, there is nothing balanced about the 50% run, 50% pass because that is 50% stupid. So as you told us all week long, he is looking to pass, pass, and pass some more. For the Tigers, it is a new look and a lot of new faces. Coach O begins his fifth season in Baton Rouge and is fresh off a national championship last year. Gone are so many starters, the Heisman Trophy winner, QB Joe Burrow, play caller Joe Brady, chase their fantastic wideout has opted out for the season, and Dave Aranda left to become the head coach at Baylor. Steve Ensminger will call the plays and welcome back to Coach Boat to run the D. Excellent, excellent point there, Summer, about Coach Leach. Um, and we're going to start right there in this, in this matchup between the Bulldogs and Tigers. Um, Mike Leach, and kind of a note for the um, Mississippi State Bulldog fans that are listening, whatever your single game and seasonal records for passing – pass attempts, uh, touchdowns, um, all of that. With the shortened season, it may not get all broken this year, but within the next uh, year or two, all of those uh, individual records are going to fall because Mike Leach is going to throw, 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 and throw some more. Um, he will occasionally run a draw or, or a trap uh, with the running back, but that is going to be few and far between. So um, going into the season before Leach was hired, I was extremely high on the running back, Kalen Hill, uh, thought that he could do some fantastic things. I just don't think he's going to get the kind of opportunities that he needs uh, in this Mike Leach's offense. Let's talk about the quarterback. Uh, grad transfer from Stanford, K.J. Costello. Young man has a very live arm, um, accurate, has a quick release, mobiles, scrambles, uh, can throw with some touch, and loves to throw the ball deep. I honestly think that this was the worst matchup that this LSU Tigers um, defense could have gotten in week one with um, no 
uh, cupcake to start off the um, the season with. But I'll get to that uh, here in just a moment. Let's talk about the uh, defensive coordinator, uh, Zach Arnett. Spent the last nine uh, years as an assistant uh, defensive coordinator um, and linebackers coach at San Diego State. Not a whole lot to um, say on him because, honestly, I, I don't know what kind of defense uh, that he plans on running. Um, from all accounts, it looks like um, Mississippi State is going to run a 3-4 base, but in this conference with the type of weapons you're going to see, you're not going to be in base any more than 30 um, to 45% of the time because most teams are going to spread you out with three and four wide receivers. So um, he's going to count on the middle linebacker, uh, Thompson, to really kind of be his signal caller on this um, Bulldog defense. Not a whole lot of talent back there in that secondary. And if LSU is able to pick them apart, this thing could get out of control really quickly. Let's turn to the um, LSU um, Tigers coming off what may be the greatest single season performance by an offense in college football history. Uh, you heard Summer talk about all the defections uh, going to the NFL and, and graduating. Add on top of that, losing um, the Bolitnikoff winner, um, Jameer Chase, who decided to opt out. Also, two big losses on the defensive line in um, Farrell and um, Shelvin. But I think a key opt-out for the Tigers is going to be cornerback Corey Vinson. Now, the reason his loss is going to be so significant is on the opposite side, who's going to see whatever team's number one corner, uh, I'm sorry, number one wide receiver is going to be Derek Stingley. And I've compared this young man to a guy that I saw um, at the University of Georgia in Champ Bailey. He's 6'1", 190 pounds, um, just amazing hips to where he's going to be able to turn, run with your best wide receiver. And if it's a 50-50 ball, he's got a better chance to come down with it than your wide receiver. A lot of that I saw with Champ um, while he was um, at Georgia. Here's the problem in this matchup uh, with Mississippi State. They don't have a number one wide receiver. They don't have a Jerry Judy. They don't have a George Pickens that's now at, at Georgia. They don't have a um, Alshon Jeffries that played uh, years ago at South Carolina. They don't have that dominant wide receiver. So who is Stingley locking down? Who is he um, going to go one-on-one -on -one against? Because Mississippi State, in my opinion, doesn't have – that kind of wide receiver to where you're going to have to worry about that matchup. So who's going to step in and play um, that opposite corner from Stingley? Is it going to be the freshman Jones, uh, redshirt freshman Jones? Is it going to be Cordell Float, uh, the sophomore, um, one of their incoming freshmen? Mike Leach is going to have four and five wide receivers on the field 
80, 90% of the time. This is going to force LSU to play a lot of guys who don't have game experience. And I expect um, Justin Thomas to start on the defensive line. How is LSU going to, um, under Bo Pelini, going to get pressure? Bo likes to likes to bring heat. And if you're going to trust all of these young corners, Leach can scheme it up to where he's got four or five wide receivers on the field and he can take advantage, hopefully, um, if you're a Mississippi State fan, of some of those inexperienced um, corners back there in the uh, LSU secondary. Now, we know LSU is known for recruiting top-level uh, defensive backs, so the talent won't be an issue. The experience, for me, is going to be the biggest issue. Let's talk about the um, offense for the um, LSU Tigers. Gone is Joe Brady, who was the play caller last year. I don't care uh, Steve Ensminger was listed as the uh, offensive coordinator. That was Joe Brady calling those plays. So throw out, once again, all of those numbers that you're going to hear talked about um, this weekend as far as the LSU offense. That offense is completely gone. Both the quarterback, um, most of that wide receiving production, and the play caller. Steve Ensminger, um, like I said, will be calling the plays. So we need to look at the 2018 LSU offense to really get an idea of what Coach Ensmeyer and Coach O are going to do with this offense. That LSU offense in 2018 only topped 40 points in regulation. I'm not counting that uh, seven-overtime game against Texas A&M. They topped 40 points one time that entire season, and that came against a blowout win against Rice, um, 42 to 10. All the other games, their scores looked like this, 33, 31. Um, they scored 22 against Auburn. Now, I take that back, stand corrected. They did score 45 against Mississippi State, but that touchdown came late in the game uh, when that game was already out of hand. So that's why I kind of um, discount that a little bit. They scored 19 against Florida and 36 against Georgia. They got blanked by Alabama 29-0. So if you're expecting to see this high-flying fly, LSU offense this season, I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. Replacing um, Burrow is Miles Brendan, uh, junior quarterback, six foot four, 200 pounds. Um, my scouting report on him has strong arm, accuracy, uh, likes to throw on the run, and they will roll the pocket out a little bit so he can throw it. His only proven wide receiver on this roster with any kind of production, and he's a good one, is uh, Terrence Marshall. He's a home run hitter, which means um, last season uh, when defense was focusing in on Chase, he would be that, that guy that would stretch the field and go deep. This season, he's going to see coverage that he has never had to see during his time at LSU. He is now the number one guy, and defenses are going to focus in on uh, slowing him down in production. So he's going to get 
um, pressed up, pressed at the line, and he's going to see a safety over the top. Let's see what kind of season he has as the number one guy this year for the LSU Tigers. I fully expect this offense to go back to what they know under Coach O, and that's John Emery uh, Jr., the talented sophomore running back. He has a very quick first step and very good hands out of the backfield. They are going to run this young man kind of like what they did with Leonard Fournette um, in recent years. How does this LSU offensive line open up holes will really determine what kind of year that this young man has. Our next game is the Georgia Bulldogs at the Arkansas Razorbacks. Kenneth, what about the head coaches and their quarterbacks for this game? The Georgia Bulldogs are led by Kirby Smart, who is going into his fifth season as the head man at Georgia. The expectations for him are always high, and this year is no different. He brings back Dan Lanning as the D.C. and the O.C. in his first season in Athens, Todd Monken. Todd spent the last four years in the NFL prior to that he was the head coach at Southern Miss going 13-25. and 25. Across the field, the Dogs will see their former O-line coach, Sam Pittman, as he is the new head coach of the Razorbacks. To run the defense is Barry Odom. Odom was fired after four years at the head man at Missouri, and Kendall Bryles looks to run his wide-open passing attack. Thank you, Kenneth. After this commercial break, we will be back to finish the rest of the games on Saturday in the SEC. The Alabama Crimson Tide at Missouri, the Tennessee Volunteers at South Carolina, and the Vanderbilt Commodores at the Aggies. Want to gain an advantage this fall in the NFL, the English Premier League, and the SEC? Then head over to our website and sign up for one or all of our packages. Each one will give you access to our advanced stats, key matchup breakdowns each week, and a dedicated Slack channel where you can ask your questions and get a quicker response. Also, we will have a weekly Zoom meeting call. Not able to make the Zoom call? We will send you a copy. The National Football League and Premier League are just getting underway and the SEC starts on September 26th. Because we are the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network and we are here to give you your sports advantage. So, sign up today. Yes, yeah, Summer, and let's start right there with the Missouri Tigers. Just finished up a uh, conference call um, as they were breaking down the matchup from how they see it from the Missouri point of view. Uh, the expectation is that Missouri's going to probably likely play multiple quarterbacks in this game. Let's start right there with the uh, grad transfer from TCU, Sean Robinson. He is a six foot two, 220-pound junior. Um, scouting report on him has a very strong arm and mobile. By no means a dual threat. Uh, running back runs about a four, I'm going to say about a four, seven forty. So definitely not a game breaker from that standpoint. I think they have a fantastic uh, running back in Larry Roundtree, the third uh, senior running back, five foot 10, 210 pounds, uh, not a burner, but does uh, have a spin move that will remind Alabama fans a lot of Eddie Lacy um, to avoid some, um, some uh, collisions, he will look to uh, spin out of those um, spin out of those tackles. At the wide receiver spot, um, Damon um, Hazelton uh, really liked this young man, um, six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pounds. Um, if I'm Sean Robinson, that's where I'm going to uh, try to go to, and I fully expect him to be matched up with Alabama's. 
um, All-American candidate in Patrick Sertain. On the defense for the um, Missouri, I'm sorry, yeah, for the Missouri Tigers, um, Kobe Whiteside is one guy that I think has um, pro draft ability. Uh, six foot one, 300 pounds, um, plays that uh, defensive tackle, uh, very stout against the pass and against the run. So he gets some really good push up the middle, and he's definitely going to be a test for that talented uh, inside um, three for Alabama, both the guards and the center. At linebacker, Nick Bowden um, is their uh, strong side linebacker, uh, six foot, uh, 230 pounds. He is a thumper, does not have great lateral speed, um, from all indications that I got from um, sources out of Columbia. Uh, he runs about a 4.7, so um, could find himself in some really bad situations if he gets matched up with one of Alabama's talented running backs coming out of the backfield or if he finds, finds himself um, locked up with one of Alabama's tight end running some um, quick out, out cut routes to where his changes, um, change of direction may not be um, good enough to stay um, in close contact. They do return a uh, very good place kicker in Tucker McCann. Um, he does have range uh, up to 52 yards, which was his career long and season long last, last season. Ron Walters um, was one of the few um, holdovers uh, when uh, Coach D took the uh, head coaching um, job. He does call um, a really decent game, uh, talking, uh, like I said, with um, a couple of sources up there in Missouri. Uh, they're going to start a true freshman in Rake Straw, and uh, Jarvis Ware should be the other starting cornerback. Uh, they feel like they have two um, NFL caliber safeties in Gillespie, Gillespie and Bledsoe. But um, as they said on the call, um, this Alabama offense is going to be a nightmare for everybody to cover, especially if you're starting a, a true freshman um, at the cornerback spot. Coach D, let's talk about his offense. He's going to improve their play calling, I think, over what Barry Odom uh, ran last season. He does like to run a lot of trick plays. I got to see a, a lot of him last year at um, Appalachian State, uh, guiding them to a 12-1 record. Um, he will gamble on fourth down. He's very smart, um, likes to control the clock in a very um, ball-controlled manner, so uh, look for a lot of um, draw plays, screen plays, um, Anything that has quick routes just to kind of make sure that he keeps the clock moving. He is a excellent, and let me repeat this, excellent special teams coach. So don't be surprised if you see um, early in the game Missouri run a fake punt or um, even a fake field goal uh, just to try to catch this Alabama defense off guard and score some points uh, that way. All right. Let's break down the Alabama Crimson Tide. As uh, Summer said, 
Uh, coach Saban is going into his 14th uh, season as the head coach at the University of Alabama. We know about the five national titles in 11 years. Uh, we know about his defensive uh, genius and all of those things. So no need to dwell on that. Quite uh, simply put, Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach of all time. And yes, that does include uh, Coach Bryant. This season, uh, for the first time in um, a few years, Nick has a returning offensive coordinator in uh, Steve Sarkeesian and also Pete Golding. Now, for a lot of Alabama fans, uh, Pete Golding um, was the whipping boy for the defense not playing up to what the Alabama standards were. I'm going to identify a couple of quick reasons why that was the case. Um, the season ending knee injuries to McMillan and to um, Dylan Moses uh, before the season even started. And you're putting Shane Lee and Harris um, in some really bad spots to be the signal callers for that Alabama linebacking core. Um, they weren't ready and they weren't expected to be ready to um, have that kind of responsibility added on to them. I like Shane Lee personally. I don't see him in the mode of a C.J. Mosley, a Reuben Foster, and all of those linebackers that have played under Nick in that spot. Shane Lee does not have the, the lateral foot speed, and it showed up on game tape after game tape after game tape last season. Coaching is not going to speed him up. I think um, – him being in a backup role like he should have been this year um, will will help him develop, but I don't see him as that true um, Mike linebacker in the Nick Saban defense. When I said in the um, preview uh, podcast that the Alabama offense and defense was coming home, this is what I want to get to. Everybody is enamored by who's going to be the starting quarterback, whether it's Mac Jones and he has been announced as the, the starter, or how long will it be before Bryce Young takes over? That is not going to be the end all and be all to Alabama getting to where they want to get to, and that's hold, holding up another national title. The offensive line, Leatherwood, Neal, Dickerson, Brown, and Brown. Whether Amari Knight comes in, whether uh, Chris Owen steps in, this offensive line in this Alabama ground game must regain its identity post-Tua. Najee Harris needs to be the focus of this offense. Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith are excellent on the outside, and Najee should not see an eight-man box this entire season. The defensive line, LeBron Ray, DJ Dale, Christian Barmore, Young, Sopcher, Mathis, that six-man rotation up front is healthy and hungry. And I expect to see that displayed in this first game in Columbia on Saturday. For the first time 
in what seems to be the last six years, the Alabama linebacking core is completely healthy going into its first snaps of the season. Why is that? A huge change at the strength and conditioning position, which I personally, as an Alabama fan and an analyst, have called for for the past three years. Patrick Sertain is heading up the um, the secondary, but the talk of uh, the offseason has been uh, freshman um, linebacker slash um, defensive, defensive lineman Will Anderson. Uh, everybody in campus raved about this young man, and rightfully so. But I'm going to give you a name that, after seeing his tape in the spring, reminded me so much of this player that I reached out to Eddie Jackson and said, hey, I need you to get in touch with this young man uh, because his game reminds me so much of yours from that star position. That young man is Malachi Moore. He has excellent range, and if he gets his hands on the ball, he is looking to take it back for a pick six. So while everybody is talking about Will, and rightfully so, the player that I'm going to be looking to watch in this matchup and going forward is going to be Malachi Moore. Manning up another one, another key spot for this Alabama defense. Uh, it's time for uh, Josh Job to live up to all the potential that Alabama fans have hoped for. It's time for this young man to put it all together. And finally, for the defense, Jordan Battle. I think this young man has the ability as a as a sophomore to have that kind of range like a Landon Collins, like a ha-ha Clinton Dix, to really be the, the traffic cop of the secondary. Returning punts and kicks um, is Jalen Waddle, uh, just electric. Um, I know I mentioned to uh, a lot of Alabama fans that I would love to see him wear the number two this season because he reminds me so much um, from a returnability uh, as Alabama great David Palmer. Now, for all of my Alabama fans, and, and please listen, listen up for this one. The kicking game was not nearly as bad as what I've seen posted on Twitter. And here are the stats for both uh, Joseph and Will from last season. Inside of 40 yards, both kickers combined to go four out of six. Okay. From 40 to 49 yards, Joseph went one for two and Will went two for four. Now, Will missed two kicks in that season opener uh, in the Georgia Dome, and a lot of that for him was getting adjusted to kicking indoors for the first time and just had two unfortunate kicks. So for the rest of the season, he went two for two from 40 yards. Alabama did not attempt a 50-yard kick. 
Joseph Long, um, season long last year, was 43, while Will kicked a 49-yard field goal. So all of this misrepresentation about how bad the Alabama kicking game is nothing less than complete falsehood. Both of these kickers are good enough to kick from distance. It's Alabama fans, and this is me talking as a fan and not just an analyst at this point, let's stop talking about how bad the kickers are because the kickers aren't bad. They missed a couple of kicks early on in the season, but if you take that out, uh, take Will's uh, two misses out early, from 40 to 49, they went three out of three out of four. That's 75%. I'll take that every day of the week and twice on Saturdays. From extra points, Joseph went 59 out of 61, and Will went 21 out of 22. So there wasn't nearly the amount of missed field goals and extra points as Alabama fans would have you to believe. Do we have an all-world kicker like uh, Daniel Carson a few years ago at Auburn or the young man down at Florida right now? No. But do I think that Will um, has the ability to kick from that distance? Absolutely. And I want to apologize for the uh, technical issues that we were having. Um, Summer's not going to be able to rejoin us, so I'm going to finish up these last two games for the podcast. Our next game of the um, weekend is between the Vanderbilt Commodores at the Texas A&M Aggies. And let me give a shout out to my good friend and former Texas A&M quarterback, David Walker. If you haven't done so already, head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of his book, I'll Tell You When You're Good. In this matchup, um, we're going to see the balls led by often criticized head coach Derek Mason, who enters his seventh season. He brings in two new uh, coordinators, Todd Finch, to run a new offensive scheme, and Ted Roof to improve the defense. For the Aggies, Jimbo Fisher enters his third season um, in College Station. If you haven't heard the podcast about the most overrated head coach going into this season, I invite you to go back and take a listen. Jimbo brings back both of his coordinators in Daryl Dickey and Mike Elko. So I'm going to jump in and talk about the Vanderbilt offense and defense and their uh, game plan as far as um, how they can attack this uh, Texas A&M team here. So to say that the balls are, I'm sorry, um, the Commodores are coming into this game um, extremely shorthanded as far as talent goes would be a huge understatement. But let's take a look at what they uh, do have on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Junior college transfer, Jeremy Musa. Uh, he played last year at San Bernardino Valley College. Um, his stats from uh, last year, 199 completions, 375 attempts, 3,180 yards passing, 37 touchdowns, nine interceptions. 
strong arm mobile uh, can run is what we have as far as his scouting report. Um, just some other things, just looking at some of the uh, video clips from him uh, last season. He does throw with anticipation, can move around, uh, throws a really good deep ball. Footwork, uh, not great, and that may just be because he played at uh, junior college and didn't get the kind of coaching that um, he probably needed needed to be um, better at that. Um, has a longer windup uh, when he's throwing it, so uh, could that possibly get him in trouble going up against SEC defenses? Uh, absolutely. The Commodores do not bring back a lot of um, experience, uh, whether it's at the running back position, um, whether it's at the wide receiver position. Be honest with you, uh, talking to uh, some very excellent handicappers um, out in Vegas, it is very well possible that Vandy could go 0-10 in the league this year. So not really going to spend a whole lot more time on the Commodores until I've get, gotten a chance to see them play a little bit. Now, let's take a look at the Texas A&M Aggies. Head coach Jimbo Fisher. Now, here's our scouting report on, on Jimbo. He is the play caller. Make no mistake about that. Very conservative. And not the quarterback guru that um, fans would have you to believe he is. Mike Elko, um, that defensive system is... Um, in my, in my estimation, very vanilla. Um, there's not a whole lot of complication as far as uh, blitz packages and things of that nature. So want to see if Elko um, will change that up this season. Now, let's talk about the quarterback, Kellen Mond, uh, senior quarterback, six foot three, 215 pounds, um, has a live arm, is mobile, when he scrambles, he scrambles to run. I don't see him um, kind of like a Russell Wilson uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, where he's running to extend um, time to where he can make plays down the field. I think uh, with Mon, the same thing that I saw um, two years ago, I'm still seeing from him going into um, his senior season. He doesn't throw with anticipation for me as a um, quarterback that's played this many games at the at the college level. Now, the Texas A&M Aggies have had four major opt-outs um, due to uh, COVID concerns, uh, one being Jamon Ashburn, uh, one of their talented uh, wide receivers, probably the best wide receivers um, that the Aggies um, was bringing back this year. Now, they do uh, return um, a very talented running back in Isaiah Spiller. Um, very strong, really good hands, uh, really talented running back. 
but the major hits for this Aggie team that I don't heard, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about is on the backside of that defense. Um, they were counting on those two inside linebackers to basically um, be the traffic cops and really um, set the set the tempo for this defense. Anthony Hines, the third, he opted out. I think this guy is the prototype um, as far as what a wheel linebacker is, both in college and at the NFL level. Uh, they're going to sorely miss him. Elijah Blades, um, starting cornerback, um, he opted out. And um, strong safety Derek Tucker um, opted out of the season. These are going to be major losses for an Aggie defense that really could not afford to lose this kind of veteran leadership. Now up front, Tyree Johnson, Bobby Brown the third, uh, PV, very solid front um, front four, but not having Hines, I can't stress enough how much not having him on this roster is going to hurt. Now the reason that I call this game the most intriguing game of the weekend is for this reason. It's not because of who Vandy is playing, it's who they're going to be playing. And what do I mean? The first half of this game, the Texas A&M Aggies are playing the Vanderbilt Commodores. After halftime, they are playing the Alabama Crimson Tide, whom they will travel to um, Tuscaloosa uh, next weekend to play Alabama. This passing game must be clicking on all cylinders. You don't have uh, the luxury of getting things worked out when you are going to be facing Alabama the following weekend. You must be clicking on all cylinders going into that game if you're going to have a chance to win. Jimbo Fisher, as I said in the podcast, um, of the most overrated um, head coaches going into this season is not a big time game coach. So if he's going to change that narrative, he has to have this game clicking starting with the kickoff of the third quarter. All right. In our final matchup of the weekend, the Tennessee Volunteers will be traveling to Columbia to take on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Head coach for the um, Gamecocks is Will Muschamp. Uh, he brings in um, Mike Bobo um, from Colorado State. Um, coach Bobo spent um, the past five seasons out there going 28 and 35. Um, Tavares Robinson um, returns for his fifth season um, as the defensive coordinator. For the Tennessee Bulbs, Jeremy Pruitt in, enters his third season as the head man up in Rocky Top. Um, Jim Chaney, who he was able to pull from 
uh, Georgia, who ha- um, has spent the past three years um, as Georgia's offensive coordinator, uh, goes up I-75 and takes the job up there in um, Knoxville. Co-defensive coordinators, uh, Derek Ansley and Jimmy um, Brumbeyer, will make no mistake, this is Jeremy Pruitt's defense, and he is um, focused on rebuilding that Tennessee offensive line and that Tennessee defensive line. And with a tremendous... um, Recruiting over the past few years, he's absolutely rebuilt the offensive line, and now we'll see if Jeremy is able to do the same thing on the defensive line. All right, let's break down this matchup because this has been uh, one that I've gone back and forth on the entire week uh, leading into the podcast. So let's take a look at what I expect from a Jeremy Pruitt coached um, Tennessee team and what we should be able to expect from a Will Muschamp um, coach team. Jeremy um, is okay with running trick plays, but his offense up until now has been very conservative. Um, I think in large part because he doesn't trust um, the quarterback and Jerry Garantano. Um, if you guys remember the just absolutely brain meltdown that um, Garantano had in the Alabama game where he basically tries to lean the ball over the goal line, gets stripped, and Diggs takes it back for 100 yards for a touchdown, and Jeremy absolutely loses his mind on the sideline. But Garantano is back for his senior year. Um the scouting report on him, six foot four, about 215 pounds, has a strong arm. The kid is tough both physically and mentally. He's mobile, has a good release, but um, he struggles with um, what I call sideline routes, those um, 15 to 20 yard out routes where you really got to be able to. Um, put some mustard on it and be able to get it from one side of the field to the other. But this offense is going to be built around what um, Jeremy's um, personality is. And that starts with that offensive line. Um, We still haven't gotten confirmation about Cade Mays yet, but let's take a look at um, potentially the other starters and possibly all four of these guys could end up playing um, at the next level um, if they continue to develop. Wanye Morris, um, just an absolutely fantastic left tackle. Trey Smith, a bona fide uh, first-round pick um, in next year's draft and would have been a first-round pick if he had come out this year. Brandon Kelly and Darnell Wright. This is the core of what the Tennessee program should be, and under Jeremy Pruitt, they will be. And 
Tennessee fans, I want you to listen up because I've been very critical of your program over the past um, decade. You have a coach and you just gave him a contract extension that will absolutely build that offensive line and have a running game that will absolutely eat up yards because of that offensive line. Ty Chandler, uh, 5'11", 210-pound running back, um, talking to a very good source up in Knoxville. Young man has been clocked at a 4'4'2", which means if he gets a crease behind that offensive line, he's going to go hit his head on the goalpost quite a bit this season. Now, as forced of wide receivers, yeah, you lose uh, Jawan Jennings, you lose Marquise Callaway. There is not a bona fide uh, wide receiver on this roster that I'm going to even mention in this podcast. I know uh, volunteer fans are going to talk about Josh Palmer. He hasn't done anything uh, since he's been up at Knoxville, so um, he's going to have to prove it to me on, on that end. As far as the defense uh, returning, not a lot of production as far as sacks, tackles for loss that Jeremy is bringing back. So it's going to be really interesting to see in this matchup um, how does the Vols generate pressure in this matchup. Flipping it over to South Carolina. Will Muschamp, basically a carbon copy of Jeremy, an intense, energetic, demanding coach, loves to power run game, and extremely conservative in his play calling. So much so that I think um, at the end of the last season, he was, quote unquote, strongly encouraged to hire uh, somebody to come in and completely run this offense and let Will and Robinson focus back on the defense. Mike Bobo is no stranger to the SEC. Um, Mike played quarterback at um, Georgia, spent 14 years there as a quarterback and offensive coordinator. So Bobo is completely familiar with this conference and um, understands who he has to beat, Tennessee, Florida. Now, um, up until a week ago, we were expecting Ron um, Hinksley to be the starting quarterback, but um, we got news early on in the week that um, Colorado State quarterback that played under Bobo, um, Colin Hill, would indeed be the starting quarterback going into this season. He's a senior, six foot. Five, 200 and about, let's say, 15 pounds, uh, very strong arm, accurate, uh, mobile, is not a dual threat running back. Um, we've had him timed at about a 4-9, 40-yard dash, so um, he's not going to break any long runs um, for the Gamecocks this year. Wide receivers, uh, now it's important to note that two of their rotation guys did opt out. 
um, or Trey Smith and um, Davis uh, both opted out due to COVID concerns. That means all the production is going to have to fall um, on Shy Smith. He's a five foot ten, hundred ninety pound. Um, I have him listed as a slot receiver, but he will see um, some outside routes uh, based on the matchups. As far as returning uh, running backs, there's not a running back that really returns with any kind of production. On the defensive side for, for Will, he doesn't have a returner who has more than a handful of sacks. Um, I know Aaron Sterling, uh, the defensive end, uh, recorded 10 tackles for loss and six sacks. But other than that, no one else returns with any real production. So it's going to be incumbent, incumbent on Will kind of like Jeremy to to manufacture some pass rush because you don't have that bona fide guy who is coming back to um, lead the defense in that. I right now have a little bit of a lean towards uh, Tennessee winning the ball game. Um, please do join us uh, Saturday morning after we ha- we've had a chance to look over the lines and we'll send out an updated um link to this uh, particular podcast. So with that, we're going to close the show Um, for Billy, for Summer. I'm Kenneth. Thank you for listening to the podcast. This is the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network. Enjoy the games, everybody.